Morning. Wow, that's loud. Good morning. So, you know, I was, I was just thinking on the way in here, after I got out of the car, there's years ago uh, when uh, Cynthia and I lived in LeCompton, uh, her aunt had driven from Salina, and she was dropping in for a visit, and there's this, like, frantic pounding at the door when she got there. So we opened the door, and she, like, almost jumped through the doorway, and was like, Where's your bathroom? And we, we were so taken aback, we just kind of stood there staring for a minute because I wasn't sure what to do with that. I was just so surprised, I guess. And so she, she took our hesitation for, you know, maybe ignorance or something, and she's like, well, where do you want a bathroom? <laughs> so, it was just... Uh, I was I was just thinking about that on the way here today. Uh, so here we are. The sun is shining at long last. There's there is uh, actually some ground out there under the snow. Glorious. I was uh, was beginning to you know expect to see like a little blonde girl in a with white hair walk by after a while. I was like Lord, is it the eternal winter. So. Okay, so anyway, that's enough of that. Jesus, we thank you so much for your goodness to us. Lord, we just we thank you for this opportunity to gather with your people, God, and to receive from you what you have for us, God. And this morning, I just pray that you would um, bring the message exactly as you want to bring it, and that your presence would do as only it can. In your name, we pray, God. Uh, Prepare our hearts, God. If we've if we've come without an expectation of receiving from you, just showing up because it's Sunday morning, I pray that you would raise our sense of expectation to to really receive what it is that you have for us this morning. God, we pray it and ask it in your righteous name. Amen. Amen. Uh, go with me to Luke 14. And if you're thinking, hey, I preached out of Luke last week, he must just be preaching what he read this week. You're right. Um, so, let's see here. So, let's just start in, um, we'll start in verse 25, but, uh, you know, of course he, uh, you know, I really like Luke. It's nice, nice long chapters let you really settle in, and uh, um, I remember Corey Tinboom talking about how uh, the day that they were going to have that great party for her, uh, uh, for her father, for the watch shop and everything, and how like surely we weren't going to read a whole chapter. It was in Luke too. Ah, oh, so long. So. It's like you sit your kids down to read them the chapter of the day. It's like, turn to Psalm 119. <laughs> it's like we're going to do a verse-by-verse verse commentary this morning. Um, but, uh, but no, anyway, I, I like Luke because, you know, he 
Luke has some parables that don't appear anywhere else, and uh, and the way that Luke says some of the stuff is is really interesting, like what we read last week. Um, so so he you know he talks about and I'm not going to read it, but um, this parable of the great banquet here in in like 15 to 26, this marriage supper banquet, they all. Suffice it to say that they all made excuses, everybody that he invited, because they were busy. They had, you know, they just bought a house. They just, you know, they had something going on with their business. They had, uh, they just got married. And who knows that that doesn't suck up your time. And um, so they, they make all these excuses why they're not going to come. And uh, and so so after he he talks about that, then he uh, he brings up he goes into this this other parable here and he says in verse 25 and there went great multitudes with him and he turned and said to them if any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters yea in his own life also he cannot be my disciple so that's an interesting verse you can almost hear the the needle being pulled off the record if you're old enough to remember what that is, and uh, so you can almost hear the the old school click of the iPod wheel. But uh, um, you know, we we think, well, but why would you know Jesus doesn't teach you to hate, and that's true, he doesn't. Um, so this is a really interesting thing, and keep your finger there, but I want to go over to Matthew 10. Because I think the way he puts this in Matthew, um, when you put these two together, it kind of gives you a good explanation of what Jesus is saying in Luke. It's in Matthew 10, uh, verse 34. He says, Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foes shall be those of his own household. He that loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He that loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that takes not his cross and follows after me is not worthy of me. For he that finds his life shall lose it. And he that shall lose his life for my sake shall find it. So, so over here in Luke, he is essentially saying the same thing. Um, you know, I... Uh, I, I really don't think that Jesus is saying that you should, you know, hate your family in the way that, that we would think of as hate, because that's really what this word means. That's really it, everywhere else you find this word, it's all it means is to hate or to detest. Um, but you know, if you're going to, it's a matter of priority, and and so there are times that you you do have to. That it costs you to, to put God first, and and it and it can leave the people around you feeling like, well, that was, ow. And uh, he uh, so he he talks about here, um, you know, this, this sense of, of putting putting God at the at the top of all these things, and he says in verse twenty six, he said that that you should that to hate your own life also. And this word life 
it, it means your soul, your life force, like the, the thing that makes you who you are, not, not your, your living, breathing body, but who you are. And so, you know, the, the sum total of your life, I suppose you could say, um, and which is, of course, why in Matthew he says that, that, he, that, that if you love your life and you seek to save it, you'll lose it. Uh, because if you're if you build your life all around this is me this is who I am this is what I do look at what everything that I've amassed and accomplished then it really will uh, you can't take it with you even the world knows that and uh, and of course the Bible talks about that you know it's like you know, Solomon said that you know you amass all this great stuff, and then who who's it going to belong to after you're gone? So the of course the Bible teaches us that a man's life doesn't consist of the things that he has. So so he has the he talks here about this sense of uh, leaving your own life aside, leaving the 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 even that the the relationships around you being subservient then to to Christ. Um, so in a in a relationship that can be a difficult thing if you both don't have that goal. You know, because if if you love God and she loves you, but she doesn't love God, you might have a problem. Um, but if you're both looking to draw closer to God, then over time, of course, you will draw closer together by virtue of drawing closer to Him. Uh, but here in verse 27, he's, he, he says, Whosoever doesn't bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And, uh, he, and it's interesting because he says, who, who doesn't bear his cross? Not, not Jesus' cross, but your own cross. Because that's where you're headed. And... Uh, and so we identify with him in that in that the bearing of that cross, and uh, you know the great thing is is you know putting the the things aside that are important to you and um, and, and this this bearing of this cross it it feels so distasteful to your flesh for one thing because you know who wants to put on the orange jumpsuit and walk down the hallway to the a little place where they have the needle and, and all that stuff, but the sense of um, of of bearing your cross. So it's about bringing your life into that same place that he brought his life to, and 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 of course only he can bring you there. Um, but you know the interesting thing is as we look at uh, you you look at Jesus's life in the Gospels and you think. Um, well, I couldn't do that. Well, no, probably not. But uh, then again, God has a cross for you, you know. And so we look at our neighbor, look at our, at you know, well, it's like, well, brother, so and so had this super easy thing that he had to go through. It's like, man, I could do that in my sleep, you know. All the while, brother, so and so is you know sweating great drops of blood, you know, and uh, <clears throat> so. Um, so it's it's interesting that Jesus said that it's you know to, that if anyone that whosoever doesn't bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. 
So, so it's your own life that, that you have to lay aside. It's your own cross that you're headed to. And it's that same, it's that same end result that, that, that Christ was after. That, that because, of course, he said to, that we're crucified with him and that we should reckon ourselves as being dead. In verse 28, he says, Which of you, intending to build a tower, sits not down first and counts the cost, whether he has sufficient enough to finish it? So, the interesting thing about serving God is he, he, he draws you in with love. You know, and, uh, you know, whether you, I don't know, I, I think whether you just, you find God and he's just, just, man, he just loves me to pieces, this is so wonderful, or if you feel like, like you are falling into this black pit of despair, and, and God finds you there. I think either way, you feel so drawn in with the love of God that you don't really think much about cost. You know, and uh, you know, I, I think getting married is kind of like that because, um, you know, we I, I was uh, Cynthia finished raising me, so you can see what a great job she did. Um, <laughs> Because, you know, we were we were just we children when we got married all those years ago. Um, you know, but there is a sense of uh, dying to yourself that comes with that because if you're going to um, if you're going to be made one flesh with somebody, there will have to be some cutting that happens. Uh, I was, I'm not much of an artist, but I remember in elementary school, like, making this little clay elephant. And so, like, I had this little body that I made and these little legs and everything. And I remember the art teacher telling me, okay, now, to attach these pieces, you're going to take a little toothpick and you're going to make this little, like, looks like a hashtag type deal on there. And then you're, you're going to get it wet a little bit and you're going to stick it together. But you need to kind of rough it up a little bit so they'll stick together. And uh, so... A lot of relationships are like that. Not just marriages, but most relationships are like that. You get roughed up a little bit and you kind of get stuck together. So, everybody's thinking of somebody. <laughs> like, ah, oh, they have sharpened my countenance. <laughs> I saw this great little plaque the other day that said marriage is like playing cards. Because you start out with two hearts and a diamond, but you end up wanting a club and a spade. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So that's it's as brilliant as that is. Clearly, they didn't weren't married to Cynthia, because you know. But anyway, um, but but counting the cost for something. I mean, you you do that when you go to you go look at the shiny new car, right? Like you're you you kind of before you show up, ideally. Um, you kind of have an idea of what can I actually afford before I show up there. Um, and then the salesman will ask you that. And then they will come up with something that's a little bit more than that and see if they can get you in it. But uh, that's what happened to me, and I was so happy. I was so happy to let them make me spend more of my money when I was young. Like, oh, this is great. It's like, yeah, I'd love to have my car payment cost more than the place I live. But uh, <laughs> it worked out okay, but you don't want to do that. <laughs> Suppose he, but priorities, right? I, I uh, 
I was 22, and I I hate working on cars. And I thought, hey, it's like you know, I'm so tired of working on this car. I I lost a socket in the snow, and and the the ratchet and everything that went with it uh, in the snow one day because I was working on my car in the snow, and uh, it it left my hand at a rather high rate of speed, and it never turned up. I don't know where it ended up. I, I thought, well, surely I'll at least find it in the spring. Nope. I don't know. So I thought, I'm going to buy a brand new car. You know, It's like, I don't care if it costs more. It's like, I'm not going to be able to get the kind of car that I want and, and have it be cost less than the place that I live because I lived in a trailer. And, of course, you know that those don't cost that much. At least back then, they certainly didn't. And... Um, yeah, so long story short, I ended up with five years of payments that were way bigger than I wanted to have. And because uh, I thought, well, here's kind of my, my limit. This is, this is what I'm willing to spend on a car payment. And they got me up here. <laughs> and I was like, okay. They're like, you can afford this. I'm like, all right, sure, okay. Sign up. It's like, like, are you sure you can afford this? Yeah, look how shiny, you know. And you know, and then so it's like, I mean, I'm I'm committed to this thing now, sitting across the desk from this guy at the dealership. And uh, of course, you have to have insurance on the car before you can leave. And uh, so they call my insurance place, and uh, and it was going to be another hundred and eighty dollars a month uh, on top of my my car payment. I was like, okay. So now I have this, like, I'm renting the, I own this trailer. I'm renting the lot for less than $250 a month. Now I have a $600 a month to drive my car. So uh, I hadn't really counted the cost to the point that you probably should have. You know, take a lesson from me if you're young, but, uh, or if you're not young, but... (laughs) Uh, do do the math, um, and uh, leave yourself some fudge room because life happens. But um, but you know, I was like, man, look how shiny! <laughs> you know, it was worth it to me, even after the you know the the novelty of it wore off and the payments went on. It's like. It's, it's a great little car, and if you don't believe me, Rhonda will give you a ride in it because it's still there, and it's awesome. But, um, but anyway, so so counting the cost then uh, is is really where I wanted to get to, and uh, so you know the interesting thing, you know, particularly when you're young, uh, it feels like serving God would have such a tremendous cost to it. Like, well, I'd have to give up my friends. Some of them probably. <laughs> you know, I would have to give up some of my hobbies. Yeah, some of them probably. I, you know, and I mean, you could make a laundry list of all this stuff that it's going to cost you to to serve God. But then there's also the cost of not serving God, which is Way, way higher. Uh, so uh, keep your finger there. We're going to be back. Uh, but I want to read 
read you something that you know, that you could probably quote better than I could, out of Hebrews. Uh, in chapter 11. And, uh, in verse 24. By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. And by faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured seeing him who was invisible. And of course it goes on and on and on, telling you all about all this great stuff in Moses' life. So he counted the cost. Um, when he when he killed the Egyptian guy, I don't think he was planning on ending up having to flee Egypt over it. But uh, um, so I don't think he necessarily sat down and thought that through. And there are things in life that will just kind of happen to you, and you don't really get a chance to think them through. Or you know, one of my one of my lines that I use a lot when Mike is working me through a decision that I made posthumously is, um, "Well, it seemed like a good idea at the time." <laughs> I don't know how many times. Like, and so why did you do that? Because it seemed like a good idea then. Now I just kind of wish I was dead. Um, <laughs> uh, so, but so Moses kind of had it all together, didn't he? He had this great life handed to him on a silver platter. He grew up in the in the the palace of Egypt and and uh, you know this great education had all of his needs taken care of. He just had everything, and and he um, he decided he was going to follow this call that God had for him to come serve Him and to do the thing that God had for him. And so it cost him an awful lot. Uh, in the physical realm, cost him a lot of uh, uh, a lot of creature comforts and certainty about um, how tomorrow is going to go. I don't know about you, but I like certainty. I don't like surprises. Some people love to just get up and see what what's going to happen today. I kind of like to know what's going to happen today. I like a little agenda. You should see my calendar. You know, it's all like plotted out. Everything's all. Oh, this is going to happen, and this is going to happen. And uh, so he uh, he decides that he's going to serve God, and that it would be better to to go through difficult things, doing the thing that God would have him to do, and following after Him and serving Him, than it would be to have everything go smooth and and stay in the palace. And not only would uh, would he be missing out, but um, 
you know, the children of, Egypt, or of Israel would have missed out until God raised up somebody else. Because if, if Moses wouldn't have done it, I'm sure God would have raised up someone else. Because he had this prophecy that was going to happen. But, uh, you know, I, I love that story Ron tells about uh, God giving him a word of knowledge for somebody. Like, and, and he's like, no, I don't know. Because uh, I would totally do that. Uh, and then somebody else got up and told the guy the exact same thing. Because you know that would just, oh, I knew that. It's like you, you wanted to get up and be like, no, no, no. I, I knew that first. I just, I just didn't say it because it seemed like a good idea at the time. It seemed like a good idea to just sit back there quietly. Uh, but... Um, so... So it's an interesting thought about cost. And I was, I was thinking about that this week. The sense of, of yes, serving God is costly. But not serving Him is, is far, far more costly. But the thing is, is it, it doesn't seem like it right off the bat. Because you can... Uh, you, know, you can work and work and work, and you don't you don't get paid until you know your the next pay period rolls around. And if you start a job, typically you miss the first pay period because they're going to wait, and so they're you know, and then you get paid on down the road. So you might work you know two, three, four weeks before you actually get paid. Uh, one of the guys that works for us used to work for this other painting company, and they were just running these guys ragged like. You know, uh, working tons and tons of overtime, and uh, and he's like, he says to one of the other painters, he's like, well, he's like, at least we're at least we're getting overtime. He's like, no, they don't pay overtime, which of course is illegal. But um, he's like, yeah, they they just pay straight time. You know, you could work a hundred hours in a week, they're still only gonna pay straight time. He just put down his brush and just left, never came back. <laughs> uh, yeah, found a good home with us. He's the guy that did the bathroom in there. But uh, um, so you know, it's an interesting thing to to think. You know, because you wouldn't want to give that much effort for essentially nothing. You wouldn't want to work that long, and then you, I mean, you you've all gotten your paycheck before and thought. Was that worth it? It's like, I don't think this is not what I signed up for. I was expecting like, you know, a thousand times greater, you know. But when uh, when I was 18 or so, I had the worst job you could imagine for an 18-year-old an irresponsible 18-year-old because it paid minimum wage with the unlimited earning potential of a 50-cent raise every six months. And uh, so you can only imagine how long it would take you to get up to something decent. But you could make your own schedule. You could come and go as you pleased as long as you didn't work over 40 hours in a week. Terrible, terrible, terrible job for an 18-year-old because... 
day like today, about the only rule he had was he couldn't, uh, if you showed up, you had to at least work two hours. I don't know how many times I showed up at like 8 o'clock, clocked in, it was this beautiful morning like this, and I'd be looking out the window, thinking it's such a beautiful day, as if I'm going to go spend it outside if I wasn't at work. Like, man, why would, why would I waste my day in here? And then I would leave at 10 o'clock and go home and play video games and enjoy the beautiful sunshine through my window at home. And, uh, but I sat down and figured out, like, well, how much money would I need to make to just scrape by? Because I lived at my parents' house. And so I had this little budget. And I'm like, okay, well, how many hours would I have to work to do that? And I came up with that amount. And it's like, so I could work like 10.30 to 4 every day. And, and I, I'm set. <laughs> no. Yeah, Kenneth's like, no. No. But but then I had I had a goal in mind that I realized you know what that's not going to work because of course I was dating Cynthia at the time and you know as hot as it is when he lives at home with his parents you know it's she was looking for a grown man that, that didn't live with his parents and uh, if you live with your parents and you're single that's fine but. Um, I realized, no, I'm going to have to actually do more than that. And and so, but, you know, going and getting a real job that actually required me to work 40 hours a week and actually required me to pay attention and be there because this job was just brain dead. And uh, there there was no cost to it to me, though, because because I had this goal in mind. And so I was I was happy to to you know work this job and, and do this stuff. I, I counted the cost and it was totally worth it to me. And so you know that's the thing about serving God is is he he draws you in with this love that's like you know what it's like yeah this is gonna there's there's some cost here there's some cost associated with it but. But you're going to love me so much that that you're not going to mind paying it. It's like, well, that's like if that's what it costs. That's what it costs. That's fine. And so he says here, for which of you intending to build a tower sits not down first and counts the cost, whether he has sufficient to finish it, lest happily after he's laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Sounds like a little train train set that they have in California. But uh, saying, this man began to build and he's not able to finish it. So what king going to make war against another king sits not down first and consults whether he'd be able with 10,000 to meet him that comes against him with 20,000? Or else, while he's a great way off, he sends an ambassage and desires conditions of peace. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsakes not all that he has, he cannot be my disciple. So, so it kind of goes back to this thing that he started out saying about about you know, hating your your, your family and, and leaving them behind, hating your own life also, um, because you know your the your things and and even uh, you know, even things that you can't 
you know, taste, touch, or, or smell. You know, there, there are things in your life that can uh, really tie you up. And they will, they can cost you just like staying in the palace would have, have cost Moses. You know, and, uh, you know, and I don't know what that would be for you. Um, I could probably come up with some ideas for me, but, um, this word forsake, it, you know, forsaking is a, is a good word. I like that. Uh, it means to take leave or to renounce. So, you know, if you renounce something, if you renounce your citizenship, to a place, then you you no longer are a citizen of that country. You're you're giving up your citizenship to it. You're giving up your rights that you would have under the the that government. So uh, when we when we come to God and we we join ourselves to His kingdom, then we we renounce our citizenship with the world and the. Uh, you know, I, I love that Keith Green talked about how he's like Americans are so caught up with rights. It's like it's my right to do this, it's my right to do that, and and the human nature just is like that. You know, American or otherwise, just like I I have the right to do what I want to do, and if you don't like it, too bad. But but when you when you come to God, that's why He is Jesus is the Lord then, because if He is the Lord of your life then you don't get to just do what you want to do and you don't really have any rights. When you join the military, you don't really have any rights anymore. You kind of belong to them. And you, you go where they tell you to go. You do what they tell you to do. And if it gets you killed, well, that's too bad. I'm sorry. That's not what I was hoping for, but you have to do it anyway. That's just how it works. And so so taking leave of, of all that, that you have or renouncing your your right to your life to do whatever it is you want to do with your life and you know the thing that i think is really interesting about that is in Matthew 6 he says that um, if you seek first the kingdom of god and his righteousness then all the stuff that you need will be added to you so i'm not saying that if you you that God is saying, you know, toss all your stuff out on the yard with a you know, uh, with a free sign outside and go live in the desert. That's not what He's saying. But if you put Him first and and you really submit yourself to that that lordship of Christ, that He runs my life. It's like you you run my life. I don't run my life. Uh, I I do what you want me to do. I don't do what you don't want me to do. Uh, then there really is a tremendous blessing with that. You know, in, in Proverbs, he said that that if, uh, if they shall obey and serve me, they shall live their 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 years in in peace and and their days of prosperity, something to that effect. And so, I can tell you that that putting God at that 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 place of your life where He is in charge, everything turns out really, really, really well. And uh, you know you would you you would want to have all of your all of your duckies in a row spiritually, having put God first and everything, and have everything on the outside of your life appear to be falling apart, than to have everything seem like it's all together and everything is all awesome and 
and you're like the perfect soccer mom and have the this this inside of your life and that the lordship of Christ be in shambles inside of you. So and, and again, that 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 outside stuff all follows what's inside. So when you, when you really put God first on the inside, then that really begins to uh, make the outside of your life be like it should. So, God, we thank you for your word to us this morning. And Lord, what we want is to, like Moses, esteem the 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 cost. Of, of serving you as as nothing uh, in the face of the the cost of not serving you, God, and not just coming to you because we don't want to go to hell, God, but to to enter into that relationship with you, God, of being courted by your love and and drawn in by that love. And God, what we pray is that you would just touch every heart in this place today, and that your Spirit would draw us to you, God, and that we would um, make those decisions, uh, God, of, of setting the world aside, of leaving our old life behind, God, and, and truly giving ourselves to you, God, wholly, unreservedly, and completely, God, as, as, as much as, as we are able, God, because I know that beyond that, that you're able to take us just like Peter, where we could not go. And God, we just we pray that you do these things in us today as only you can. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.